Welcome to the Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali podcast, a place for real talk about what it takes to create a book. My name's David Allen Patali, and I'm going to give you a no-bullshit run-through of the tips, techniques, and insights that have shaped my writing practice and helped me create a novel I'm truly happy with. We write because it's hard, because we have to, because we need to, but you don't have to suffer needlessly for your art. With the right strategies, mindset, and community, you can get it done and enjoy the process. So let me take you on a ride where writing myths get exploded, excuses get torched, and the path gets lit just a bit brighter. I suppose all good things must come to an end. It's definitely not the end for this podcast, but last night I held the very final workshop in a series of six that I did for the city of Wanneroo at Clarkson Library. It was called On the Right Track, where we dived into... Uh, character, theme, plot, first draft, second draft, and the ultimate lesson, publication. Polishing your story toward publication. So for a couple of hours last night, I ran a group of, I think it was 18 writers who, who showed up for the final one, which is a pretty good number for that for that little room. Uh, all the ins and outs of going uh, for publication. So what you need to do, first of all, to your story, how to polish it and all the different drafts that you need to do and some of the tricks and traps that you can fall into um, if you're unwary. And then also how to prepare a submission, whether it's for an agent or for a competition or even for a publisher. So we work through the the vital things that you need to do, including you know how, how to do your, I suppose, your two-line your two line statement about what the story is about and also your summary, how to write a really good summary where you're just, just telling the story points and you're using you're making the fullest use possible of a 12-point Times New Roman one-page submission. It's not a lot of not a lot of time, not a lot of space to work with, but uh, publishers are looking for something that's going to wow them, but also provide them with a bit of a business case. Now, I know that earlier in this podcast series, one of the first um, episodes, I think it was number six, was you know forget publication and do the work. Where I really emphasised, as I did to the students last night, that publication and the creation of your work are two distinctly different things, and you've really got to try to separate them as much as you can. And having that mindset, I think, comes in into a, a new kind of importance when you are at the stage where you are submitting your work to a publisher. So I wanted to make today's t- today's podcast all about some of the lessons that I've learned from being published and I'll tell you some stories from my own publication journey so hopefully that can illustrate yours. So the first point I'd, I'd really really want to make is that you really do have to separate your art from the business. Definitely one informs the other and one helps the other and all, all that kind of thing and it's often an, a bit of an inevitable mix. But what I mean by this is when you've submitted a story to a publisher or to an agent or to a competition, it's only natural that you're going to sit by the phone and fret. It's only natural that you're going to be thinking about this all the time and it's going to be dominating your thoughts. But this is something that can drive you completely spare. It has for me on many occasions, but I've learned since that it's always good to just let it go, to have another writing project that you can bring out of the bottom drawer and try to distract yourself at least with that. Because once your story is away on submission, it's, it's an incredibly nerve-wracking time. It can take up to three months. It can take six months for someone to get back to you. It's a very long time, and it, it often feels like you're to use the phrase, you know, you're waiting to exhale, you're holding your breath. And when you finally do get either the yes or, you know, the inevitable form 
rejection letter. It's a really disappointing thing, but it can also be a much more disappointing thing if you've spent all of that time worrying and not doing any writing. So get back to the page. Build your story up to the point where it's ready for submission. You've gone through all the multiple edits. You've had an editor look at it. Uh, you've had a beta reader. You've, you've written this thing multiple times. You, you've polished it. You've eliminated all possible spelling and grammar mistakes. You've cracked the spine of the book. It's the very best foot forward that you can put, and you've perfected your submission. You've, you've looked at uh, all of the submission requirements and guidelines. You've ticked every box, crossed every T, and dotted every I. Once it's in, you've got to let it go. You've really got to let it go because it will drive you absolutely spare. Uh, I remember um, the first time I actually put Locust Summer out for submissions, I spent a whole summer not writing, just waiting around because I had a publisher who told me that they were interested in Locust Summer and that I should send through the full, which was uh, the full manuscript after I'd shown them the, like a, say, a three-chapter extract. They're like, this is great. Show me everything. This is fantastic, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Um, but they never did. They ghosted me, and I, I, spent, um, I spent a very long time checking my emails and in this state of complete limbo. For about, yeah, for the whole summer, the whole summer of, I think it was um, 20, 2018, leading up to when I went on the caravan trip. Uh, and it was a really horrible time because I look back on it now and I just think, well, I should have been writing. I should have been working Locust Summer again. It's, it's a difficult thing to do because it puts you in this sargosso weed. It puts you in this strange space where you don't quite know what to do. But the answer should always be writing. So ever since, you know, um, I've put things in for competitions and that kind of thing, I just get on with writing. Just get on with writing because that, that ultimately is the salvation. It's why publication and the creativity should be kept completely separate. I will say this, though. Um, the other inevitable thing that happens is rejection. Uh, rejection through submitting your very best work, the thing that you've sweated over for a very long time, is an incredibly difficult thing to happen and I'll tell you my worst story I've told this at festivals before but I think it bears repeating because it's actually a good story you know every cloud has a silver lining if you're prepared to look at it so I had spent um, a very long time writing and rewriting Locust Summer it was very deep into the process and I was finally ready to send it out and I identified an agent that I thought would be best to represent me so I packaged up the the submission sent it in they said yes this looks great please send through more I sent through more and I heard back pretty quickly a couple of days uh, where they just said look this this did not deliver what I thought it was going to do and I would suggest that you take some writing lessons in order to learn about how to build narrative tension and build more hooks and that kind of thing and um, it was a rejection that just burned me to the ground when I first read it when I first read it it was a horrible horrible experience however um, I picked myself up off the floor and dared myself to read it again. And it was when I read it again that I realized, hang on, this is actually a really good rejection. This is a good rejection because it's not a form, it's not a form letter. You know, dear, dear Mr. Batali, thank you for your submission. But, uh, you know, unfortunately, you were not successful this time. We wish you well uh, moving forward in, in your creative writing career. Um, sincerely, Anonymous Publishers Incorporated, New York. That's the sort of thing that you typically get. Or you don't get anything at all. Or you get ghosted. You get nothing. Radio silence. This agent had taken the time to write an email to me. Rejected me, sure. But offering some pretty sharp critique of my writing and the things that I needed to do in order to improve it. 
And then I kind of thought about it even further. I'd only sent them three chapters. It's the opening of the book. Now, I'd sweated the rest of the book, but then I, real, I, I reflected on my process and I thought, hang on, I haven't put the time into making the opening as good as I can, if I'm really honest. So I completely retooled the opening of Locust Summer so that it was a much more welcoming open. It was a... a it was an opening that gave the stakes, that introduced you to the character, that, that in a lot of ways followed the typical conventions of writing that I had, I think, ignored to my detriment because I was trying to be clever. So I had a brand new opening and lo and behold, what happened? The very next submission that I did to Fremantle Press, they said yes immediately. So from a terrible, what was I perceived as a terrible rejection that had me on the floor, I got my ego out of the way, read it again, and took the advice to heart, and then used that advice in action. So rejections aren't necessarily bad things. The submission process is going to be full of them, but as long as you have a, I think a, a practice that incorporates the rejections into the, into the artistic process, then you should be fine. And from that downside of getting that rejection, getting the acceptance was one of the coolest days of my life. We were in in Queensland, far north Queensland, staying on a mango plantation. And we um, were actually at a, what was it again? It was a ginger farm. It was the, the Butter Up Ginger Farm, uh, which is a great place to take kids. You know, we had we had our, my daughter Ruby with me at the time. And I got a phone call from, uh, sorry, I got an email that actually went to my spam from Fremantle Press saying, um, please get in touch with us as soon as you can. And then I called up Georgia Richter, who's my publisher, at Fremantle Press, and she said, I love Locust Summer, we would like to offer you a contract for publication. And it was glorious. It was an absolutely glorious thing. I cried in the middle of the middle of this crowd and <laughs> came back to, to Carmen, and we were both just crying. We were so happy. It was absolutely wonderful. And the, the great thing about it was, uh, you know, we had this, after that, we had a great day out. I felt light as a feather and went back to caravan which was parked at the mango farm got a couple of guinnesses and had a nice drink and then you know put our daughter to bed and then it was like oh okay i'm gonna go for a walk now clear my head and i did came back and started working on the manuscript that i was working on because what i realized was i had a contract in hand that's great i still have work to do i still have writing to do so getting back to the page immediately was actually really humbling and it really proved to me you know, a writer writes. A writer is not necessarily a published writer. A writer is someone who writes. And that's, that's true then, it's true now, it's, it, it will be true forever. As long as you're writing, you're a writer. Publishing is a distinct process, different to the actual act of creation. And the act of creation is the one that occupies my mind most. So if you're, you know, eating your heart out, thinking that publication is the be-all and end-all, it's not necessarily... There's still work to be done. It doesn't matter what stage you're at. There's still another project to be done. You know, we're only as good as our, our next project. They used to say that in journalism, you know, you were only as good as your last story. I think in, in writing, you're only as good as the one you're writing now. You're only as good as, as the one uh, that you, you know, you've got underway and that you're committed to. Um, so how do you increase your chances of publication? Well, it's a tough one to ask, but... <laughs> Um, just from those two examples, you know, putting your best foot forward, taking criticism, seeking out criticism, 
seeking out the right kind of criticism, working with a mentor, working with an editor, polishing it as much as you possibly can. Um, I had a little bit of a different experience in the sense that um, Like a Summer was shortlisted for the Vogel back in 2017, but not picked up for publication. So it kind of had a bit of a smell around it, I, I, would, I would be blunt in saying. You know, Alan and Unwin did not accept it for publication in 2017. Why is that? And everybody else that I offered it to, with the caveat of, you know, hey, look, this was shortlisted for the Vogel. Why don't you publish it? I think people looked at it askance. Like, okay, well, if it's not good enough for Alan and Unwin, why would it be good enough for Penguin? Or why would it be good enough for, for whoever? So I took some time to go away from it and rework it so that it was almost a completely different story and it was a, a fundamentally better story. So that three years later, when I actually did put it in for publication, um, I was starting afresh, in essence, just sort of goes to show, you know, pro prize listings and that kind of thing aren't necessarily a big deal either. Somebody in the end has to say yes. And I think I was lucky in that the story found a supporter. It found Georgia Richter, someone who believed in it from the get-go. And I'm eternally grateful for that. And that, that really... You read, you read this constantly about, you know, J.K. Rowling was picked up because uh, the daughter, I think it was the son of one of the publishers, started reading it off the slush pile that he had at home. And it proved to him that, you know, there was an appetite for this. There was a market for this. You never know your luck. You really don't. But you, I think you can increase your odds by putting your best foot forward, nailing your submission as much as you possibly can. And, you know, putting your best foot forward. And the way we put our best foot forward is always by doing the work. Always by doing the work. Now, I'll teach a little bit of what I did last night in it. Um, log lines. Log lines are really helpful because you'll always be asked for a log line in an application. So it's a, a, you know, a one, two or three, three sentence description of what your story's about. So there's one that's very humorous it's for the wizard of oz transported to a surreal landscape a young girl kills the first person she meets and then teams up with three strangers to kill again so it's a funny summation of what wizard of oz was is all about but a really good way to do it there's a there's a formula it's setting protagonist problem antagonist conflict action goal so you ask who's my protagonist what do they want what is against my protagonist Why is it vital for my protagonist to achieve their goal? And if you have multiple protagonists, well, maybe <laughs> refer to them as a group or uh, refer to the situation that they're in. So it's two lines that basically just describe what, what everything's about. So the new book I'm writing, the log line I kind of have developed for it is a refugee and an Anzac team up to create a black market in American goods on the docks at Fremantle during the Second World War, but a ruthless naval officer draws them into a world of violence that they can't escape from. There's just two lines that, that sum up what this book is about. That's what publishers are looking to be intrigued by. It sort of gives them, a, gives them something to pitch, because remember, as much as this is creative, it's also a business. They're looking for something they can sell. They're looking for something that they can take to the full meeting, you know, the submissions board and say, hey, look, I've got something. Not only is it artistically good, but I think it also could be something that we could invest our hard-earned into. Because don't forget, publishers are businesses, even the not-for-profits. They, they need to justify their existence. They need to pay their wages. They need to pay the rent. They've got to keep the lights on. So if you don't put the work into perfecting your submission, um, I think it's a bit high-handed. 
you know no one is just going to recognize the genius of your of your writing even though maybe they should um but you know humble yourself and do the process because publication is a really exciting thing you know pub the day i learned out learned i was going to be published was a really exciting one the day the contract came was fabulous the day that i first saw the book in my hands was completely wonderful the first time i saw it on a shelf in a bookstore absolutely amazing first time i saw it in a library completely wonderful on salat festivals um i still haven't seen it in the wild being read by somebody that would be really cool but um i'm told that's a pretty good feeling too but publication is definitely something worth going for it's not the only reason that we write though so i think that's probably the main advice from this podcast keep it separate but when you do do it when you do do the submission process go as hard and as all in as you possibly can because it may be it may be the one shot that you have to impress somebody and you never know your luck all right i'll speak to you next week happy writing Thank you for listening to this episode of Write Your Novel with David Allen Patali. If you loved what you heard, hit the subscribe button. You can follow me on socials at David Allen Patali. Don't forget, this podcast is about writing your novel, so make sure you drop any of your questions into the link in the show notes, and I'll make sure I answer it on the show. Until next time, happy writing.